my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. My name is Will Meldman. I'm here with Brock O'Hearn. We come to you today from sunny Los Angeles, California. And today's episode is going to function a little bit differently. We are going to treat it a little bit more like a live stream, have a few discussions, various topics. And uh, how do you feel about that, Brock? I feel good. I think we're talking about some pretty cool stuff today. In particular, the one I'm most excited to hear you talk about more than anybody is The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead, one of the most watched shows of all time. Uh, it's now in its 11th and final season with over six uh, spinoff. Fear of the Walking Dead is in season eight right now. We got Walking Dead, The World Beyond, um, two seasons. Tales of the Walking Dead debuted in August. Untitled Daryl series coming next year. Dead City coming in next year, and another untitled series coming next year. So why did we want to talk about this? Well, not only is it one of the most watched shows of all time, and, and we'll run you through those numbers and uh, kind of explain why that is and, and how that is and, and give it some context, um, but also I recently uh, binged it. You know, a couple episodes a night here or there took forever. Um, there's 11 seasons and 16 episodes every season, um, hour-long episodes. Do the math. It uh, takes pretty long. Brock, when did you watch it? 
I actually started watching it when it came out, when it was a fresh show. Nobody had seen it yet, um, which was 2010, right after I graduated. I remember watching it and I didn't really know what it was about. Uh, like, you know, you hear The Walking Dead. I don't think there was very many zombie films or shows out the, at the time, um, or maybe there hadn't been in a while. But I just remember it opening up, Rick laying on the ground. You got this policeman, basically. I'm pretty sure he was face down in the ground. It's been a while since I saw the first episode. Um, waking up and it's like he didn't know who he was. And, I, and I'm sitting there in a world with, with you know, cars are all over the place. They're, it's empty, it's quiet, but it just looks like this dystopian society and you don't know what's going on. But it's, it was so moving and so cool to me because um, we were right there with him. He was just like us as viewers, not knowing what was happening or how he got there. And um, I'm still curious to this day how long he was in a coma, how long he was sitting there, right? Like thinking about that. And then him looking, what's the first thing you're going to do when you wake up? Try to find your family. Try to find people you know and love and, and find safety and security and, and shelter and um, but absolutely first thing you're gonna do is try to find your family. And that's, that's what's so cool about that. Uh, yeah. I love what you said about kind of, that's who the audience is, right? Like you're, you're following Rick's perspective and you, you're looking for your family. The first season was only six episodes, but they're hour long each. And I thought it set up the series perfectly to where it was really, really good writing in terms of you find your family you kind of, you, you know, you're in a Atlanta camp kind of in the forest that you got to go back into the city. But when you do find your family, this is what good writers do. They escalate and like raise the stakes, right? Like even if you reach a goal, so you find your family, but yet your best friend is kind of now <laughs> with your wife and like kind of this father figure to your son. And, you know, then that's the whole new mm. issue that you have to face. And like, I've really... The first season opened to about, I believe it was like an average of five to six million per episode. They, you know, strong ratings. Um, but I, I still think like the simplicity of that as well. They didn't try to overcomplicate it. You know, you meet some interesting characters like Daryl and his brother yeah. um, on the rooftop. And, uh, you know, it set everything up perfectly. I think the writers did a great job of like not writing themselves into a corner and really kind of everything's possible. Like it's just about a guy trying to find his family. And when he does like more problems come up after that. And it was just very, very simple bread and butter, interesting characters, interesting world. It was a kind of new take on zombies in terms of like, they, they established the rules. Like they, they walk right. The walking dead, like they're, it's not like world war Z zombies. Like, you know, you establish the rules of the world and, and you kind of take it from there. Um, but I think we're not at season two yet, but basically I think what season one did really, really well was establish the world and establish interesting characters. Absolutely. And it's really takes a good look at where at people. Yes. You have this extraordinary circumstance. This, this world is completely different. Uh, than anything that we know, but also uh, people trying to survive and figure things out. And, you know, if your husband's not there, it's, it's, and your the best friend is, 
uh, and there's a, some kind of security there in this scary world, it makes sense that, you know, that would be the case that would happen. Um, but how they deal with it on top of the extra looming factor of there is these creep, these walking dead, these people, zombies walking around that could kill you as an extra layer of, oh, your world might be torn up. But if you get, that's what I think is so fascinating. You can get torn up in your own real world. And if you get too caught up in it, and you don't remember or pay attention to your outside circumstances, that will also kill you. So it's just, it, I think it was very well done. And this a major reason as to why it has, it's had so much success. And um, it's a very well done show. That's the other thing too. Like, like you said, these characters are human, right? Like, I don't think anyone kind of like blames the mother for but like, befriending the best friend when she thinks her husband is gone and it's the end of the world. I mean, you can argue that, but of course that's what good writing does is like these moral questions of like, what would you do in that scenario? You know, who would you side with? Um, but also what happens when he comes back? Um, yeah. and I, I think they kind of handle that and set that up really good. And then another thing that this show did. So, Every zombie show or film or whatever, it's always like the the race for the cure, right? And in The Walking Dead, outside of the end of season one where they go to uh, the CDC in Atlanta, it really didn't focus much on the hunt for the cure. And by the obviously we're getting into spoilers here, but um, you know this show's been out for twelve years, so hopefully you're you've either watched it or you haven't by now. Um, but we, we also won't ruin anything from season 11. If you haven't started uh, season 11 yet, don't worry. We're just going to really cover one through 10. However, you know, they, they basically just said, you know, there's no cure. We tried, we went to the CDC and they never really address it again. And then they're not really even like looking for a cure. And I think that survival aspect of the show is also what makes it so appealing what do you do to survive? Um, and that's, yeah, something that's innately built into all of us. We all every day figure out how to survive, even if we're doing it on a high level or, or if it's, you know, life and death. Uh, we have to drink water, eat food. We have to have shelter. You know, we have to, there's got to be community. There's got to be, you know, so many different factors that come into our day to day. But this is a very heightened version of it, right? And supplies might run thin and people might turn on you that the the world is not as they saw it it's completely flipped and anything kind of goes in a way so they do a good job i think also at bringing some structure back into it and you see that with the good guys and the bad guys right and who really sticks to it they kind of both have structure in a way uh it's not it didn't feel fully chaotic at all times but it was the two different points of view and who both of them believe they're right and they both fight for uh, that right to stay alive and to survive and, and to, to hopefully get to some kind of whatever their new normal is, you know? Totally. And, and that moral ambiguity of the, really the only difference of the good guys and the bad guys kind of throughout all 10 seasons are who fights, you know, to protect others and who fights for their own individual survival. Right. It's like, once we stop caring about one another, then we're, that's what makes us human, right? So like the good characters fight for each other. They risk their lives for others. Mm. Um, and they're not just, you know, fighting for themselves because that's when society crumbles is when we're all just looking out for ourselves. 
Um, and I really enjoy kind of that theme of the show as well. Um, you know, we're, what's the point of society if we're not looking out for each other? Um, absolutely. We're all in it together one way or another. Totally. Um, so basically, you know, end of season one, um, there's no cure. And then season two starts up and honestly, like, man, this was definitely my least favorite season. Um, actually, yeah, probably still is, <laughs> even though I might like it better than some of the newer ones, but I haven't really thought about that yet, but it's all pretty much at Herschel's farm. You know, they do a few missions kind of into town and whatever, but I think the beauty of the show is that they're kind of nomadic and traveling. Um, what? And you have to have like a home base. I get that. And that's a big theme kind of in later episodes too, like establishing a home and, you know, trying to make a home and, and, and a uh, community. But it really was just, I don't think one of the strong, I, I don't think it was a strong season at all. Is that why it's not one of your favorites? Yeah. It, it just kind of seemed like, you know, are the people that own the farm good or bad? You know, how do they mix well with the main people? Um, and then there's kind of like not that big of a payoff at the end. Although I do think what kept people interested in this show, because the view count steadily rose for the first five seasons. Yeah. Um, growing by millions per episode all the way up to season five, hitting their prime in season five with the premiere episode at 17.3 million viewers for the uh, season five premiere. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the characters are what kept people engaged in the show. You know, Daryl was kind of coming out of his shell. He's, he's a mysterious loner, but now he's, you know, starting to act more for the group and more for others. And, um, you know, Carol is looking for her daughter. Obviously I think actually, thought that was pretty crazy and tragic the way they handled that at the end. Um, How do they handle it? So, you know, so Herschel is hiding people. He's hiding walkers in the barn and Glenn and Maggie find it or Glenn finds out, but he's like dating Maggie. So they agree to like protect it. But then everyone kind of finds out and in the finale, the daughter they've, Oh, this is why. Cause the entire season they're looking for the daughter, the mm. entire season. Yeah. So it's like, yep. you got to resolve that plot uh, point. Like, the, even if they're on the farm the whole time, they need a new mission. Like, find the, like that can last a few episodes, but the entire season was looking for this character. And she ended up literally being in the barn the entire time as a walker. And like, yeah, that's a tragic re reveal. But like, if they did that halfway through and kind of moved on from the farm after that, I think that would have been a lot better. Matt, that wasn't the finale. The finale was with uh, John Bernthal's character and Rick, actually. In season two? Yeah, because when John Bernthal and uh, Rick's character finally, you know, said enough is enough and end up butting heads, um, that's what attracts the walkers to the farm. Yep. And, and then they all have to flee the farm. So, yeah, I misspoke. But it was definitely towards the end of the season and that plot point kind of dragged on for a long time, but I like the idea of that. Um, because if you think about a real world scenario, uh, when there's high stakes, there's high anxiety, high stress, people react 
probably a little bit different because we all react to it differently in a way uh, than we would in a normal scenario. And even then, it can be difficult living with people and integrating different lifestyles together and uh, different personalities and all that. So having these people that, you know, eventually just to the point they know they're in trouble, but they get a little too comfortable uh, around these walkers and the, and the impending doom outside of it that they, you know, stir up some chaos within their own ecosystem. And then it causes the bigger issue to affect them at a full rate. You know, it comes into the, these walkers come to the farm and makes them evacuate. It's like, if you just shut up and sucked it up or talked it out or something, it wouldn't happen, you know, but that's us as people, you know, and, and we all have our stuff. So I find that pretty, uh, pretty fat. That's, I, th- I find it pretty fascinating, but that's one thing I did love about the show is there is a, a beautiful simplicity to it, you know, and, and they did such a great job. And I think that's why uh, it was, there wasn't anything on TV like it at the time. There hadn't been anything like that before. And it was such a unique, cool idea. Everyone knows zombies, you know, but they've never really seen it in a world like that, I don't think. Um, and I think that might be a testament to the constant rise in viewership as well. Uh, because the show was a, a smashing success. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and that's a good point. Like, it really is a result of, you know, secrets leading to conflict. And if yeah. they hadn't just keep things bottled up, then they would have been able to communicate about it 100%. Um, and that's ultimately what why Rick and John Bernthal's character, uh, mm-hmm. Shane, I think, end up fighting too. Um, but yeah, so yeah, sure. season, yeah, so season two ends after they all leave the farm and they head to the prison. Yeah. And I loved the kind of whole prison arc all the way up. Well, we won't get there because I think it extends to uh, season four, the end of season four. This is the first time that they're able to really establish a very safe base you know, with the concrete walls of a prison and the outer gates. And this is when they also meet their first real villain, human villain of the show, the governor. And um, the, he has his own little colony where he's kind of lying to everybody, pretending everything's good and effing like crazy, crazy behind closed doors. But like, he's he's like kind of like a politician, right? He's like... <laughs> He reminded me of like a Cartman from South Park where he's like pretends to be this like innocent, nice person in front of people. But then when you actually see what he's doing in private, it's like super effed up. Um, But yeah, like I, this is where I really, really got into the show and like, um, you know, the death of Rick's wife, um, Mm. I believe was in season three. It could have been four. I hope I didn't jump ahead, but yeah, no season three. This is where yep. I really like was emotionally invested in the show. Like when Rick comes back and realizes that, um, you know, his son had to end it and she was turned, um, oh, but they yeah. got they got baby Judith out in time and he holds the baby and he like comes back. I mean, I'm not a crier. I, I don't cry during like TV shows and movies typically, but just watching sports, right? To quote yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, exactly. Um, to quote Starsky and Hutch, I don't cry. I work out. Yeah, one of my favorite things about that moment 
with him is the son, you know, Carl. It, it showed how much he had to grow up and how hard it was for him in this one moment with his mother, uh, the C-section, like all that stuff. And, and it really developed a child. And he took a turn, I felt, after that in the coming seasons of like, I can handle more than you think I can. I'm more capable of, of things than, than you guys are allowing me to do. You know, like you might see me like as the kid. Yeah, that was a big moment for Carl, for yeah. sure. It was a very big character turning point, I felt. And it was, it was incredible to watch and fascinating, you know, and, and he, he did such a great job of playing that character as well. Totally. And like, that's another thing with, they kind of do with all children in the show is they're, they're forced to grow up quickly. It's adapt and survive, and there's no time for childhood in a typical sense. You know, you got to figure out how to use weapons. You got to figure out how to provide and help others, and, and you, you got to grow up quick. And I like that for sure. Um, and you really see that with Judith in later seasons, but we're not there yet. Um, but yeah, crazy emotional moment when Rick returns. Um, it's one of my favorite moments in the show, um, you know, where... It's incredible joy of holding your new baby and incredible depression um, realizing what happened to, to Lori. But yeah, like this is when the show is at its best. They, they find a good base. They got it. They protect it. They start growing agriculture. Like they're really in like really good survival elements. But then the conflict is with another colony with this crazy evil leader in the governor. And they got to, you know, protect against them and, and kind of follow that plot thread. One, I, I love the idea of the prison because the irony that this is meant to keep people in right. is now their safe haven, you know, yeah, and keeping yeah. people, keeping the walkers out. I, I love that. Um, and it's such a brilliant uh, way to move the story forward as far as them finding security and safety. And it's an illusion, right? It's always an illusion. Um, you're never fully safe, I don't think, in that situation. Uh, so we came to find, and but also the governor was somebody who irked me, dude. Like I, yeah. and I was like, if I was in this world, I would. This guy would get socked so quick, and he would be dethroned from his his whole entire status. And and it was just like you when you could really see through people's character. And again, it's these high stakes. People are scared. They're nervous. Not everyone's a leader, right? So someone's stepping into that space and really taking over, but for his own gain uh, and you see it, it really like they did such a good job at making you not like the guy. 100%. I'm with you. I think it's probably my favorite villain, but he literally, he, he has his own arc as well, which makes it even better writing. And, and so good too. Like he goes from, I'm going to keep up this facade of like my people like me and trust me as a leader until once he kind of loses a battle to Rick he offs like 20 of his own people in yeah. front of his own people. And there's only like two soldiers, three soldiers after that who are looking at him like, what the F did you mm -hmm. just do? Yeah. And we see his descent into like trying to manage things um, properly to like, nope, I'm just full blown villain now. And the best villains aren't one dimensional. They have arcs too, and they have reasons for why they do things. And yeah. that's one thing that I think is so great about the villains, quote unquote, uh, in The Walking Dead is you, you, just like you said, you nailed it. They have character arcs, they have story arcs, and you 
you care to, you know, you get involved, you're mostly attached because guess what? You have the good guys and you have the bad guys, just like any great story, uh, in, even in wrestling and sports and it, like, and what, for what your degree of, uh, what you care about, it makes you care is what I'm trying to say. But then you do have essentially your one dimensional villain, which is the walkers. So you have both elements of that and you're getting it at the same time, maybe without even realizing it. It's like, and then to have the good and the bad at some points using that one dimensional element, quote unquote, the walkers against each other or for each other's benefit in whichever ways as they're discovering how deadly are these things? How fast can they get us? Like what, how are they getting in? Cause there's so many moments in, in the walking dead that, you know, everything's calm and all of a sudden these walkers came out of nowhere and there's like 500 of them in the bottom of this building. And you're like, holy crap, get me out of here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, they, they always find a way in. They always find a way. <laughs> they always find Crafty a way. little devils. I don't think they're as one dimensional as we think. They are, <laughs> man. And like, they, the one thing that they didn't really do in the show, they don't really care about the cure. That was really just a season one finale. And then they don't show, you know, the virus itself, like adapting to, you know, have maybe there's zombies that can climb or zombies that can run or, you know what I mean? Or they a different like shape or shape, a different um, type. So yeah. like they really don't get into that. And that's like a very typical zombie trope that like I was kind of hoping for like coming up as I was watching season one through 10, the main things they focus on, like ammo doesn't seem to be a concern. Like <laughs> there's an entire plot thread about like food. And then once they finally get it, it's like solved with another thing. I'll bring that up when we get to that season, but it's like, okay, so that entire subplot this season was for nothing because you know, that happened. But I guess we can move on to season four now. My highlight was the governor attacking the prison at the end of season three. That was so good. In the tanks, like, blowing up the scout towers. And by the way, think of, like, if Rick made the decision to try to guard it, everyone in those towers would be dead. You know, they they duped the governor by leading him down to the bowels of the prison um, and having the walkers do the work, which ended up, totally being the right move. Yeah. Um, but yeah, man, that was a badass scene. On that, on that point, that's, that's one thing that I wanted to say about Walking Dead that I found so awesome was their ability to come up with unique kills. That whether it's the tank, uh, I don't want to give away any just yet, but there were so many that weren't repeat kills. You're like, oh, that was a, that's a way of blowing someone up. I never really thought of, you know, or, or that's exactly what I would have done or how the heck did you miss that? You know, like so many of these moments that either push the story forward or that were just great action in the moment. You know, I think they did a very good job at, uh, uh, executing that for sure. No pun intended. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they, they off so many different walkers. Like it'd be, t it'd be a, quite the task for the writing staff to like really keep it interesting. Yeah. So let's go back to season four. Season four. Tell me about uh, the lore in season four. The lore in four. This is basically where they're forced to leave the prison um, after the attack. Everyone gets separated and they're on the hunt for Terminus. 
um, a falls safe haven. Um, but there's all the signs like come to terminus, you know, and I really enjoyed the season. Um, everyone's separated. They're trying to get to, they all kind of realize separately. Like I bet everyone's headed there. Um, because there's signs everywhere for it. They think it's safe and it's a big terminal station. And, um, yeah, it's like each character has their own journey. They're all separated for the first time really. And we, man, there's an episode, I believe it's Carol and I forget his name. But they're with the two girls, right? And one Mm -hmm. of the girls just is really suffering from a mental illness and like really not holding it together. And like she thinks the walkers are her friends, you know? And unfortunately, her sister doesn't make it because she, yeah, I don't wanna, I even, I don't even wanna like describe what happens, but it's really, really terrible. Um, But it kind of highlights like how people can, lose hold of reality in times of crazy traumatic stress, which is completely understandable and like really tragic, man, and and brutal and gnarly. But that was another kind of emotional peak where I was like, dude, this show isn't effing around. And then again, at um, the finale of season four, when they basically all end up imprisoned at Terminus and we find out they're cannibals, they're like killing people like in an industrial style fashion, um, really, really brutal and gruesome. Um, but yeah, man, what did you think of four? Um, I liked four. I think it had some very good, exciting moments in it as well as like, how did you feel when the governor killed his, his old right hand man, Martinez? Cause I really liked Martinez, dude. Oh yeah. Uh, and you kind of think the governor, they, they're trying to convince you that he's like turned a new leaf and like accepted his defeat. And like, that was brutal, man. I, I, I think they just fully committed to having him be evil. And yeah, that, that was definitely a yeah. brutal. Uh, yeah. Cause I think even watching that, like, it, like exactly what you're saying, the governor, there were moments where he truly seemed like he was fighting to be good. And was it in, I can't remember if it was in that season. Maybe we'll cut this, but like, was it in the season where, where he went to the house and, you know, he even handed, he stole the gun, but he handed over the gun. And yeah. Yeah. Where he kind of like the daughter and the what and the yeah, woman, he yeah. came into a home that had, you know, a female who was in the military, uh, weapons. She's very good with weapons. And then they had a weapon and then he brought a weapon in, but they get, he submitted it. And then, you think he is submitting and being good in that moment because it was like his major defeat. He was at his lowest point, it seemed like, in the story. Um, only, you know, to get to the point where he was like pushing the food out the window and and had a bigger plan because maybe he'd given up and he didn't want to eat anymore. I can't remember exactly why he was doing that, but it played to the plot of him taking back the house and taking over being a leader again and, and an evil leader and, and getting the gun again and always kind of having one up on everyone around him um, until he stepped back into that role again. But yeah, dark dude, man, there was hope, but he, he, uh, he crushed it. Yeah. And, I, I think they did a great job with him. Yeah, yeah. Cause it's like, he is doing some good deeds, right? Yeah. But you're sitting there yelling at the screen, like, don't trust him. He's bad. <laughs> yeah, He's exactly. not good. And that's like exactly. what you should be doing. But yeah, you know, he ultimately 
is ended by Rick in the big final battle. Right? Was that for? It's so confusing to me because I know he attacks, but then he goes away and survives, but then he attacks again. He captures uh, Herschel. Yep. No. Oh, so yeah, that's when Rick uh, is forced and the Rick's group is forced to separate, right? Yeah. And then Herschel and the governor get left behind, but they're killed. Right. Yeah. When, when getting left behind. So they kind of, yeah, they rebuild after the first attack, but stay there. And then everyone who survived had to face against the walkers and um, kind of press on. For sure. But Herschel too, that was, that was a tough one, man. He's a good, I loved him. I'm surprised he made it that long. Honestly, but you're right. Why why do you think because of uh, his age or he had the limp? Um, he was kind of made out to be a villain or he was definitely made out to be a villain, like lying to them about the walkers and the farm. But then, you know, that's the beauty of the show is you can forgive people and they can be redeemed. I mean, um, you know, a lot of people do crazy bad stuff in the show. Um, look at Carol. She killed like two main characters. Um, semi-main characters and like was redeemed. Rick kind of banished her and said, you know, that was bad and you can't live with us anymore. And then now she came back and rescued him from Terminus by, you know, blowing up the propane tank and saving everybody. Really. That's something about, uh, Rick and his group in general and, and them being good. There's points of, uh, demise and, and just chaos and everything that they get pushed to the utter brink of their, you know, what they can handle. And so you see so many human moments of like, screw it. I'm going to take down the world with me. You know, like I'm going to leave it all on the table. I'm going to do something that isn't in my moral compass uh, or at least what you didn't believe. And then it's the community and the people that usually bring them back around and make them good again and say, it's not worth it. Don't do it. So even someone who does something as evil as, um, you know, Carol killing people and and killing two people or or doing all these different things. It's like, well, at the end of the day, we're not murderers. You know, we're not here to kill people. We're here to keep people safe and to grow back and to hopefully have a normal community. And if at the end of the day, technically, if they kill someone, there's a chance that there's going to be another walker that they're going to have to go up against at some point. So it's that like, you know, we don't trust you. Uh, and there's so many chances of this to go wrong, but at the end of the day, we need more people so that people can, humanity can survive, but you have to get the heck away from us. And so sometimes that comes back to bite them multiple times. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and by the way, you know, as we talk about season four, let's bring up some numbers on season four, shall we? El numero. So, the premiere episode of four, 16 million viewers wow. for that. And then the finale, uh, 15.6. So the average for season four was 15.68 million viewers per episode, which is insane. That's like, yeah. And what I love about that too is like people talk about, the audience and like what they care about and all this, the, the numbers for this show, I think directly reflect when the writing was good and when the writing was bad. And the first few seasons they gained about 3 million 
uh, viewers per episode. They went from five to nine to 12 and a half from season one, two, three. And, you know, by four, they gained another 3 million and got to 15.68. So the show was getting better and better. The stakes were getting higher. There were new great villains and like, it made sense. Like, yeah, there's, there were great characters and the show was, was uh, growing. And then season six was the first one to fall off. Season five ended with them at Alexandria, right? They, they found a new home. Rick's basically kind of now in charge. You have an enemy group called the wolves. By the way, what happened to the wolves? Like, I feel like that was an enemy that just kind of came and went without, like, it wasn't much. Anyway. Yeah, I don't really remember the wolves now that you mention it. Right. Like, they were just kind of like a subset, random, small plot line. Um, But then Rick is kind of now in charge, and now they have a new home with, with great walls. I found it to be, like, really unbelievable that this entire community lived there and like no one really went outside right like their whole description was like yeah life is normal here um and they have like certain people that are scouts and like go on food runs and uh scavenge outside the walls but like the vast majority of people in this one small little neighborhood just stayed inside the walls the entire time yeah Uh, you know what i mean it just kind of didn't really seem that believable. Yeah, I think maybe they're trying something, something different, right? And then trying to get more towards a sense of normalcy. And so they make a community where you feel a false sense of security and kind of give the people the opportunity to be, instead of, you know, survival mode, maybe they get a little bit of life back, you know? But no matter what, I don't know, because the circumstances outside of those walls haven't changed, right? So what is it doing? Hard times create hard men, right? Well, now they're making people more comfortable in the space. They're going to become more soft. Now they're more vulnerable vulnerable to the outside world that's coming, that hasn't changed. And I did like that aspect, right? Like you are, you know, our group being the main characters are basically have been surviving in this crazy harsh world the entire time barely um and they meet a group that you know has walls and is protected i just i didn't think they had to like make it that harsh of a difference to still get the intended effect of like the contrast between the two groups if that makes sense like yeah two completely different ways of surviving right right one's a more controlled uh but yeah, a little more risky, I feel, in the in given the circumstances of where the world is at, where the zombies are at, versus Rick's group, who's constantly being hardened and going through crazy hardships and battling crazy people. Like, um, I don't remember who their main nemesises were in season six, you know, uh, with that group and, and the people that lived in uh, Alexandria. But then you got... Negan, right? Yeah. So season six ends with the introduction of Negan. Missing our pants yet? The saviors are a threat throughout the season. They take out an outpost. And even taking out that outpost seems to have no effect on the enemy, which it doesn't. Um, But yeah, they meet Negan at the very end. And we basically are in 
this really long stretch of like kind of the Negan era. And to me, this is where it fell off. And whether you like Negan or not, like, I think that guy's a good actor and definitely, yeah, he's a good actor. Like I even liked the character, but he has too many of these kind of random monologues and just seems like it doesn't fit as much. I feel like they could have done his character a lot better, but this really, really split the fans and it showed in the numbers. A lot of people um, stopped watching. And then as we get into season seven, you know, it starts off with him, uh, you know, offing two main characters and um, man, it, it makes Rick look like a horrible leader like over and over again, like he can't win. He keeps leading them into traps. Like he's subdued. Like, by the way, I, I kept thinking like, all you guys have to do is leave. The only reason you're putting up with this enemy is because you choose to live in these houses at Alexandria. Like all you have to do is go find a new home. That's it. Yeah. You're like, there's other places in the entire country you can live and be away from this guy, yet you choose to stay here under his rule. It's like, how yeah. does that make any sense? You're used to moving around. Like, you're used to finding, and I get it. They have a baby. They're, you know, they don't want to be on the move forever, but like, be on the move for a little bit, at least a little bit to like <laughs> get away from this crazy a hole. And that's kind of what it felt like. It felt like they were trying to stay so that they can have a little bit of that normalcy, right? They're trying to have a little bit back. Like they're, they're starting to remember what it felt like to be how it was before. And I think that maybe that messes with your head a little bit. And, and, but I, I agree with you in the sense of it falling off. Cause I, I became uh, personally less interested in the show because exactly what you're saying, how they could have gone anywhere and done anything, but the show stayed after how many years is that now? I mean, six year, five, six years at this point, they're staying in the same place, the same location and never leaving. And it's like, you got to continue the, the one, you have to expand it, I felt, but you have to continue the story. And right now you're making the story stagnant and trying to force it, it felt like, to work in those same parameters, but with just a slightly different element. And it wasn't as exciting. You're like, okay, I've seen this. Okay, I've seen how the walkers react. I've seen the same location. Like, give me a little something, you know? So we're right now we're just going to talk about six, seven, and eight, right? Because they're in Alexandria the entire time, and Negan is the bad guy the entire time, right? So yes. six, seven, eight, we had a dramatic fall in the ratings. Season seven you had 11 million down from 14 million eight. You had 7.9 million and nine. You had 5 million and 10. You had 2 million. So we're just literally, it was a rapid decline or not it's a gradual decline. We'll give it that. But like they're in the same place, same bad guy. And by the way, let's, it was a huge opportunity to expand their world. And they did in the sense that they added new communities. They added Hilltop, Oceanside, the kingdom. I loved Ezekiel. I think he's great. Um, you know, different people, different communities. And like Jesus was the introduction into that. There's like 
cool new character. Um, and he's, he tells Rick, like, I'm about to expand your world big time. And, and they did, but like over three seasons, it really dragged on. It felt stagnant, felt like they weren't adding anything new to the show. Rick keeps getting destroyed by Negan. Like every plan he has backfires, everything they try. And it's like, that's your protagonist. And he's not, what I think they should have done is Negan should have been the bad guy for one or two seasons. Fine. But Rick has to like slowly chip away at him, have him take out an outpost. And then maybe Negan can't get, um, you know, he doesn't have access to his farm anymore. So their food supply gets lower, right? Like you slowly chip away until you defeat the enemy and the way they defeat the enemy has nothing. It was Eugene basically uh, making the fake bullets, right? So they literally, they didn't let Rick end him, even though they beat him, which by the way, I'm fine with. I'm fine with the thing of like, even though Negan had to go, he probably should have been gone, but, but he, he cuts his throat and doesn't die. He literally cut his throat. I'm like, yeah, I'm like cheering. Like he got Negan, like, let's go. And he's like, tend to his wound. He'll be in prison. I'm like, what did, what are you talking about? Tend to his wound. You just offed him. Like, how does that make any sense? And then they were setting up the guy that Daryl rescued in the woods is like Negan's right hand man. Mm. And I thought he was going to play a part in taking Negan down yet. They didn't pay that off. Like Daryl could have, um, you know, and he was the one taking care of Daryl when he was imprisoned. They had a huge plot device there for Negan's downfall and they didn't, they didn't use it. Um, and then they basically have Rick kill him, but he doesn't die. So then he's imprisoned and I'm fine with the message of like, if we're going to have a new world that we're creating, you know, there needs to be justice and prison and not just death. I'm fine with that message, but don't have him slit his throat then. Yeah. But also after, you know, in uh, season seven, which I think this was a, a, a point, it was a major talking point. So it obviously gave huge, huge press and, and eyeballs on the show itself. But when Negan brutally murders Glenn and Abraham, but Glenn specifically, I felt was such a fan favorite. People loved him, loved his relationship and, and seeing him go out just sucked when it should have been Negan. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, it felt like it was too soon. If if you're going to do character death like that, then Negan's has to die. Yeah. He has to like, you can't take out two beloved characters and have the guy live in a show. That's all about death. And I think they just, we're like, well, we want to keep Negan on. He's a good actor that, you know, people like the character. So what dude, he offed two main characters. Like Glenn was a season one OG. Like, yeah. and you expect Maggie to get along and work with him now. Like, come on, dude. Like, what is that? And I get, it's like they got too into the redemption plot arcs that they gave one a, a redemption plot arc that was irredeemable. Right? Like, you can't do that. Yeah. I can't see there being any way to come back from that. And somehow they kept 
kept it going, right? It just felt weird. Like yeah. you're gonna have Maggie and like but Maggie's son like around what, him. And I don't know the comic books, but was it something that you know they you think they did um, fan like uh, case studies and and something where people just really resonated and loved Negan for some reason. Like the reason they kept his plot line and story going so strong. And obviously if you've been following, you know, walking dead over all the years, you know where it's at now. Um, but do you think it's something that like there was a, such a majority of people that enjoyed it, but I can't, I don't, from the people I've talked to, I don't, I don't feel that way. All, yeah, you could be right. It could be a comic thing. I, I, I don't own any of the comics, although I'm definitely going to buy some from Golden Apple Comics uh, located on Melrose here in shout, LA. Shout out to Ryan. Shout out to Ryan. Um, but you could be right. Um, all I know is it divided the fans and I know why. And you, you see a steady decline in ratings because of that. And it was just a very strange choice. And it, you know they kept doing that plot thread, like bad guy with a new bad community. Like, you know, there's unlimited possibilities you can do in an <laughs> apocalyptic uh, zombie show. Like, especially one that you're constantly introducing new characters and, and new. Yeah, man. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. I, and that's, I mean, that's kind of like the beauty of the show, but also the downfall is it's simplicity. You know, it, it works so great in the first, you know, four or five seasons and then after that, it became monotonous. It became the same. It didn't feel exciting because you're like, okay, yeah, the walkers are going to walk up to you and come get you now. Or, or it's like some of the, but There's that- A new bad guy with another community. Yeah, which I understand. And I'm, I'm not even against that. It was more the moments for me um, that kind of threw me off. It was like, you guys have been doing this for seven years now. And that walker came out of nowhere and just walked up to you and bit you in the neck, like, or you just got ambushed out of this thing. It wasn't these like right. major inciting events. It was just like, that wouldn't happen. Or like you shoot at someone 27 times and you miss, but uh, when it counts a different time, it's a ricochet. Off. I mean, that didn't even happen, but like a ricochet off something. And it was like a perfect shot. And you're like, it's, it's not, you have to keep the realism enough. And I think that that was lost in translation a few times. And so it was like, if the fans aren't going to believe it, at least to the point where you established it from the beginning, then it's kind of like, that sucks. It's like, it's like a military guy and, you know, say a Navy SEAL watching an actor portray a Navy SEAL. And if he doesn't do what the Navy SEAL does to a T, they get taken out of it. We get taken out of it when it's not real. And it's like, okay, no one holds a gun like that. No one does this like that. And, you know, no one, like he would be able to do X, Y, Z or, or, you know, assess the situation in a certain way. And so when you take people out of the show, which can be very hard to keep people in, but if you do it right, um, it's more engaging. And so I think it, it, that's one factor that led to uh, a little less engagement in the show. But also I think all the other streaming platforms, the where the world was at, you know, society, how much content was out there um, are also maybe a little bit of a factor as well. And that's three full seasons of Negan yes. on top, always outsmarting Rick, like three full seasons, dude. It, it was just really tough to watch. It's like, you can't make your main character look dumb 
for three straight seasons. It didn't, like, it didn't feel like it was in Rick's character to submit. You know, I completely agree with you. Like, I completely agree with you. It, it wasn't his character. He would have either fought back or left. He, he wouldn't have sat there and done that. Yeah. Not at all. Um, I totally agree with you. And all right, well, you know, clearly we're, we, you know, everyone out there felt similarly. And please comment below how you feel about six through eight um, and Negan's introduction and, and downfall. Did you think Eugene taking him out was the right way to do it? Um, would, should that have been part of it? And then had a few more other things. Um, let us know in the comments. Um, because I actually am really interested in hearing what you think of uh, Negan, because I know it's, it definitely divided the fans. Um, season nine, I, I actually really enjoyed the beginning of season nine, where they come across that giant um, horde um, in the valley or the, in the quarry, I believe. Um, but there's literally like 10,000 undead in this huge area. Um, but, and they all keep like falling down the hillside so they can't get out. They're stuck in there. And the whole big thing is like Rick runs an operation to get the herd out of there and migrating somewhere else because they know if the truck, the hillside's eroding and when the truck falls, the zombies will get out and they'll come right for Alexandria. So I love how it's like this big coordinated effort to get the herd out and you literally like, I just love that. It's like ingenuity. It's good writing. It's yeah. the big herd right here. We got to get them out. And that's where, oh, sorry. No, no, I was okay. Exactly, exactly to your point. Much higher stakes, much higher stakes than, yes. than the previous seasons. Yeah. It's a creative, super high stakes situation. That's unique. And like, okay, yeah, they got to deal with that. Yeah. And that's something they hadn't seen before. It was, you know, maybe a few hundred at the most in the seasons before, but usually it was a few interactions or, or uh one-on-one -on -one a lot. But um that was something where it's like, Oh, okay. That is a, uh, uh, that's going to change our perspective and, and our real world problems right now are just going to have to wait. Uh If this doesn't, if we don't figure this out, we're all going to die. Yep. You know? So I really enjoyed that at the beginning of season nine, but then um of course, you know, they're building a bridge um, because Rick wants to trade easier and between communities. And ultimately during the operation, um, Rick gets stranded, falls directly onto, um, you know, one of those giant metal pole things. Um, uh, rhubarb. Is that what it's called? Mm -hmm. Is that? Yeah. I don't know. It's like a construction metal. It's like a rod. Oh, uh, rebars? Rebar? Yeah. Rhubarb's pie. I yeah, I was going to say rhubarb was not, not a metal stay, but, but that's funny. Rebar. Rhubarb pie. Yeah, they're um, like, uh, you put them like in steel and concrete. concrete exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, So, and then he gets back on his horse, barely survives, shoots the bridge to protect the horde from reading Alexandria, saves everybody, but um, almost dies himself and then is taken away on a helicopter. So, um... Season nine, there's a group at attacked in a cemetery and one of the walkers is, is about to die, but then it dodges uh, an attack 
from one of the main characters and ends up killing the character. And I thought that it was an incredible moment because it shocked everyone. It's like the walkers can't move like that. What is that? And it ends up being a whisper who, you know, the group that wears the zombie mask and can move with the herd. And I'm like, I thought they were going to do like a variant of the virus. And it was a new type of walker that are super, super rare, but you know, can like have a little more mental ability there and can um, do things and attack better. And I was so excited for that. And then I felt like the movie, the village by M night Shyamalan, where it's like the bad guys are just people in mass. I'm like, come on, dude, you really do that. And then we just end up with another bad guy and another group of people. And it's the same exact plot with like chief bad guy. And although the, the one new thing about them was they could, you know, walk with the dead and control them and lead them, which I think should have been done by, um, you know, like a new type of virus or the virus adapting and being able to do that. Cause like back in season five or six is when I think they should have implemented that. Right. And like, if, if you can lead the dead and walk with the dead, they should have figured that out earlier in the show. I think, cause it's like, they would have thought of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think, but I think there's a uniqueness to it where people react differently in different situations. Like, you know, we can both try to assess a situation and try to problem solve it, but your idea will be different and maybe even the right idea than mine, right? So, well, yeah. And different skill sets and everything too. So, so it makes sense that a different group of people did it, maybe not introduced in ours or we hadn't been introduced to you. Who know, how long have they been doing it? Was that established? Well, like since it happened, I just thought it was so cheap to like take away that character death from like a person in a mask instead of like yeah. an actually evolved um, walker. Yeah. Uh, I, you're totally right. Like people handle things differently and survive in different ways. Like for sure. I just didn't. That's one thing that I also want to say is that I envy about you is that you got to watch from start to finish, you got to binge The Walking Dead. Um, and so you have a great scope of the story that I think a lot of people don't who did start it originally the same time that I did. And we had to wait each year for it to come out and weekly sometimes and the whole deal. Um, so for you to say that, it makes a lot of sense as well because you got to watch the actual arc of the entire, right everything. It gives me a ton of clarity to know basically what happens in order right and the crazy part is i binged it all without knowing that the final season is taking place right now so now i'm like with everyone else right um watching it as it comes out which is pretty cool but yeah i had no idea it was even coming out and i looked it up and i'm like oh shit fuck yeah yeah i remember that, <laughs> yeah. I remember that. so season 10 this is a big season right um, Negan's beginning to try to make up for what he's done. There's a huge time jump. I believe it's six years because, uh, Rick's daughter, uh, Judith is, you know, like a six years old or eight years old. Um, she's like a kid now, not a baby. Um, and 
Negan infiltrates the Whispers and kills Alpha, which I thought was good. Like, you know, this guy shouldn't be alive right now, one, but if he is, he should be trying to make up for what he did. And that that was a big way to make up for that. But then uh, the other big guy in the Whispers, the you know, the big country singer guy, um, takes over. And then Daryl has to help out. But this is basically setting up everything else. Like Eugene is talking to someone on the radio. Um, Michonne is looking for Rick. And everyone's kind of doing their thing. It's kind of setting everything up. But it's like, look, killing Alpha should have ended the whispers, period. Like Negan should have just, that should have been it. But then the other guy takes over and like they still exist. Um, but that was a pretty cool scene when they take over Alexandria and there's like a army of, um, walkers in Alexandria and they're like hiding and got to take off. It's pretty cool. I did like that part, but you can tell, right? Like everything's pretty decentralized now, um, in season 10 and the threats are spread out and everyone's not together anymore there's a big time jump and it's kind of just like, okay, we're just hanging on here. You know, it, there was no kind of sense of connection between everyone. You, I mean, you still have like the major characters, but it's like, there's so many of them alive still. You're like, this just doesn't even seem. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, obviously whoever created it and the story itself has such a massive IP now that no matter what's going to be valuable and telling that last season, it's either or not, I guess not last season. So, but season 10, um, you know, that is what shows aspire and dream of getting to is, is syndication and, and getting to a hundred episodes plus and getting to season 10 that rarely, rarely ever happens. For sure. And I think it's, uh, it's very interesting. Oh, the, the way you approach it, you know, because obviously, you know, they've got six spinoffs now. There's a season 11 as well. Um, instead of doing the big final sin, let's give the fans, let's give the world, everyone what they what they want. Like Ray Donovan, right? Coming in with a movie after and, and you know, closing off the story really um, or finishing off and, and giving the story, giving more to that, adding more value. Um, instead, it sounds like, we're just going to keep riding this, this train and, and keep it going. Um, and I'm curious cause I haven't been watching season 11 just yet. And I'm curious to hear what happens in it and, and where they take that. And is that the final season? You know, is this the one that they're going to give? It, it is. Yeah. yeah. They've announced that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, th- I thought, but, but now but yeah, they have six spinoffs. That's my point. Yeah, yeah. Is that it's not technically the end of the end. Uh, there's so much more they have to offer and it's, I'm, it's interesting. Because if they did something so simple, like you said, adding the variant with a more higher stakes zombie, even if it's a rare one, that is exciting. I want to watch that. Yeah. And, and, but that was just one example, but obviously like different locations, man, like maybe there's a small group of people that hears about a CDC building in, uh, you know, Northern Canada and they need to go in the snow and trek through mountains. And, um, maybe there's no debt up there, but they have to survive in that weather. And then (laughs) there's like a small colony up there that they find with, you know, walkers that have 
kind of died a while back. So there are walkers there. Any different type of thing, like location. Basically, the only the only issues that they deal with are other bad people and then walkers, obviously. Um, okay, the Reapers in like season eight, badass enemy. They're military trained. They're run by this like ruthless, evil guy. And I love how they put Daryl in this with like the priest and Aaron. Like it's a really good arc and their most badass villain. It's like the shortest enemy arc out of all of them. I think it's handled in like maybe seven episodes and, um, you know, they, they take care of them pretty quickly, but the entire mission is to get food from their base and bring it back to Alexandria. They get the food, they bring it back. And what happens? Eugene shows up with people from the Commonwealth saying, don't worry about food. They'll give you unlimited food. So there was a problem for food that Daryl and them basically almost died for and they come back with it and now they don't even need it. I'm like, you're telling me that entire mission is now pointless. All you had to do was wait there and you would have been totally fine. Like that's really bad writing. That's tough because if you're in this situation though, how would you know? You don't, but the writers do. Yeah, it's true. I think there's definitely creative ways to progress the movie, the story forward. Definitely. That would make more sense than that, but it's tough, you know? You literally just made this entire food issue a non-issue. Like, have it be, they could have pulled it off in a million other ways where that actually, they actually still needed it and they would have all died without it. But that's just one grievance. I'll calm down. <laughs> Band-aid on a bolt hole. Right, right. So, yeah, I mean, so we're, you know, we're pretty much caught up to where we are now. Um, we mentioned the Commonwealth. You know, they wear that really silly armor. They look like they're paintballing. You know, they have like a military security group and they all wear like white plastic armor it looks so dumb like and they like they introduce a a big society where like alexandria have no idea what it's like in the outside world which like again is so unbelievable and they make it like they bring in like real world problems and like a politician spoiled son it's like so played out and i hate it if you could write one season of The Walking Dead. How would you do it, you think? Great question. Dude, um, I would separate them into probably two or three groups, which is why I liked the uh, Terminus season so much as they get separated and have to come back together. They'd come back together in the end, um, but they would have to like change shelter at least two to three times. Here's, here's what I'd do. You write out a board. I have my whiteboards, right? I'd, I'd write on the whiteboards, like, all the problems I want them to deal with. Shelter, food, medicine, um, bad humans. I, I'd create all of them. And then I'd do, like, okay, episode one through three is shelter. But then they find it. And then put, you know, mark it off. And then episode, once they have shelter, now I go to food. Now episode three through five 
is food because they have shelter now. They can focus on food or they're out of food. So you alternate what problems they're dealing with, right? So they don't overlap. And they can, you overlap some of them because you need more than just one problem. Um, and then you give the season one large overarching problem, right? I, I would have just added a bunch of other stuff. I would have said like there's new types of zombies. I, I would have created, you know, a zombie that can lead other zombies and like run and open doors and climb. I definitely would have done that. I would have made them actually look for a cure. Like you just stop looking after season one. Like, come on, dude. They had Eugene lie about it in season four or five. Um, but like, you can't give up on the cure. And I would have, I would have, there'd be so much action. It'd be nuts. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. And, and I'd bring the characters to like their lowest, weakest point where it's so satisfying when they crawl out of it, you know? Yeah. What about you? I would uh, tune in to watch yours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I just covered everything. <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think uh, it would be more of an establishing of outside of what it's been so far in the sense of I would want to touch on what happened in the major cities, you know, LA, New York, uh, you know, Austin, yeah. Dallas, stuff like that. Um, what, one of the spinoffs called Dead City is about uh, Negan and Maggie in uh, New York City. Awesome. Yeah. Because that's they announced all this at Comic Con in New York, by the way. Like, I'm not obviously, if I know about it, it's public. <laughs> well, it's not obvious, there's always a chance. Um, which actually reminds me, I want to go over those with you really quick, but um, yeah, no, I think I would, I would touch on those and the 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 reasons. Or, or how chaotic it was during that. Because if you get, you know, 10 million people in a city, it's going to be insane. And I don't know how many people are surviving that. Just, right. just out of sheer volume uh, of, you know, walkers. In season one, they did a great job in Atlanta, right? They're like, we can't even go anywhere near Atlanta. There's too many people. It's basically death. But yeah. Rick, like, hides under the tank. He's rescued by Glenn. Right out the that gate. That was so good. He yeah. gets on the horse. The horse, yep. Yep, right out of the gate. You see the swarm coming around. You're like, that's a bad, that's... Not going to end well. Yeah. And, but then I like what you said too. It's, it's, you couldn't really do it in one season, I don't think, but finding an area like the cold, you know, I found that, I, I think that is a fascinating idea of like, oh, they can't survive here and maybe we can't either, but yeah. we're going to try uh, until it gets too cold. You know, global warming, you know, it could, it could push them out real quick. <laughs> um, no, but I would do, um, yeah, that's good. That's good. I would I would want to increase up the stakes on everything. Up the stakes and also the loss. Um, yeah. I would pull in as much because people, I mean, we're people. We have issues with, it's not just interpersonal stuff. It's, there's health issues. Like what, did cancer just disappear all of a sudden? Did, you know, uh, major health issues because of lack of nutrition, you know. Uh, I was going to say, how do they not cover nutrition? Like, obviously, they're not eating, like, healthy shit all the time. Yeah, but at the same time, the body's very resilient, and I think people in, <laughs> in the, around the world eat very unhealthy as it, as it is anyway, so they're still kicking. Um, okay, then don't do nutrition. 
No, but no, but it's it's a it's a it's a completely valid. It was your idea. I know, no, it's, it's you're not wrong. Well, there's a different access now versus if you're in a dystopian site. There's not going to be McDonald's or something you can't walk to. You know what I mean? Nobody's frying up burgers. Um, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm such a you know me like like deep down I'm prepper. So I think maybe I'd also want to see someone do like a full on prepper eat. You know what I think would be interesting? Because I never thought about this. So I'm thinking about it on the fly, right? There's that utopia that everyone is trying to get to. Um, but having the characters sacrifice everything, sacrifice people, you know, their, their safety, their security, um, their livelihood, everything to get to this utopia, knowing that it's the end all be all and they get there and it's great for like a day and then chaos breaks out and it's ground one. And and it's like everything that they just gave up is just completely destroyed. And you realize the world you live in is not, there is never going to be a utopia again. And it's going to be ground floor, highest stakes possible to survive um, and kind of go out from there. Hell yeah. I only have one season. There's, I don't have 12, (laughs) 11. No, yeah. (laughs) Fuck yeah. It's just off the, off the top of the head. I think that would be kind of uh, interesting because of all the stuff you do on the journey. It's the journey to get there, right? And then the end of it is like, well, that was a stupid idea. We should have just stayed. <laughs> no, for you sure. Know? And 100%. I love it. So, hell yeah, dude. Uh, what would your perfect season be? Comment below. I want to hear about it. Um, I, I, something I love about the genre is, you know, there's so many different fun ways to play with it and, and uh, create conflict and um, show some good stuff. And because you know, I wanted to ask you uh, the spinoffs. What are each one of the spinoffs about? Uh, Fear of the Walking Dead is in its eighth season, and that one follows a family in L.A. Um, during the outbreak and during um, as it happens. Um, I watched the first season of that, and then I might watch more, but not. I, I don't like it as much. Um, the Walking Dead World Beyond is about the female character from the junkyard um, the one who uh, takes Rick in the helicopter. Uh, there's two seasons of that, and it ended. I haven't seen it. Uh, Tales of the Walking Dead. What's that about? Debuted in August. That's the one with Olivia Munn and someone oh. else. I, and I really like Olivia Munn. I think she was awesome on uh, Attack of the Show. And um, by the way, a new documentary comes out. Uh, I was actually at a screening of it in... Uh, San Diego over Comic-Con weekend. It's uh, Attack of the Dock is the name of it. And it's Chris Gore's new documentary about G4, um, about like Kevin and Olivia Munn and uh, Chris Gore back in the day being on Attack of the Show and, um, you know, doing live shows at Comic-Con and kind of the the launch of gamer culture into the mainstream and like making nerds cool, which I appreciate because um, I am a nerd. Um, but yeah, so keep an eye out for attack of the dock from Chris Gore and, and that crew. Um, but yeah, that's an Olivia Munn spinoff. Um, and then there's an untitled Daryl show, which I'm really fired up for. I love Daryl. We got Daryl right here with us. I would definitely watch that. And then dead city, which is Negan and Maggie in Manhattan. Um, and then another show about, uh, Michonne and Rick. Really? Yeah. And, and the last three mentioned all come out next year. So 
Oh, they're coming out. They're slated to come out next year. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. So think about what we were just talking about then. It's interesting. They have the city take with, and they're all split up, right? With, with, yeah, with Negan and Maggie. So you have Manhattan, which is the biggest city in the world, basically. Yep. Dead city. And then Michonne and Rick. Um, Where's theirs at? Where's it take place? I'm assuming it's about how Michonne finds Rick because yeah. they haven't done that yet. Yeah. So that, and, and, you know, they kind of, they have some great chemistry and, and I love Michonne and Rick. Dude. They're such a great duo. Yeah. Cause she's so badass with those yeah. katanas, man. Yep. Like she was one of my favorite characters for sure. Yeah. And, and just they're, they're both so unique. Right. And Rick, it, you know, he's this, this six shooting gunslinging cowboy who's a leader and, and a badass and had major loss. And Michonne is such a badass in her own unique way too. Like you said, with the katanas and, and they're both parents. They, you know, they exactly. want, they want to protect the kids and the people. And they, they have a bit of empathy to them that they relate. And like I said, they're like, what I've seen, their chemistry is incredible. Um, so that's a really cool story to follow. And then uh, Negan and Maggie too, you know, it's obviously they've, they've, turned into something uh much more than they were originally <laughs> and to me that's a uh, my own personal i wouldn't be able to do do that <laughs> right. you know what i mean um but it's uh, uncertain times crazy times uh just because of glenn's death is what i mean i wouldn't be able to you know for sure i would uh, wait for the right moment and negan's throat would not be the same by the way if you think about it when they were, they probably had the idea that they wanted to do a Negan spinoff, which is why they couldn't kill him, presumably, unless you did like a prequel of like how Negan started the Saviors. But why would you be invested in that? You know? I think a lot of people are though, right? Because I've seen the reactions of people of Negan. and, and No, but they're not doing a prequel. Oh, they're not doing a prequel. No, yeah. It's like oh, wow. him and Maggie- after. Like after the sh- which by the way, like how do you announce spinoffs about your characters after the series? You know, they don't die because the spinoffs exist. You yeah. Know? Before the series is finished. Yeah. But like, whatever the main characters survive, like what's new. I mean, given the current state, I guess that's another way to get more eyeballs on it to like, what are you figuring out that they didn't die? Right. And, it's more, more press nowadays. Maybe you have to do things a little bit different than the good old days. Yeah, take advantage of the fact that there's still millions of people watching the show yeah. to advertise the new ones for sure. I'm always curious why people do what they do behind the scenes, you know? Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Some decisions are not the best for the audience. Some decisions are incredible, uh, but also from a business standpoint, you know, trying to get people's butts in the seats or in this sense on the couch, you know? So... Yeah, so comment below. What spinoff series are you most excited for? I think for me, it's got to be Daryl. I'd say Daryl and then Michonne and Rick and then Negan and Maggie. I think so too. Daryl is just, even um, him as a person, he's so cool. He just seems like such a cool dude. Um, He's a survivor, man. He's a lone wolf. And I'm a big fan of motorcycles too, so I'm a fan. Of the, he's rocking that with a crossbow. I got a crossbow too. Maybe I want to be him. Maybe I want to be Daryl. And even I didn't though, even know it. Even <laughs> though the crossbow is the most, like, the worst actual weapon for that scenario. Like, 
<laughs> Literally, you, you only get a couple bolts. So you got to reload it. Um, but it, whatever, it looks cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't care. They make a lot of different variations. I've seen one now that has two uh, arrows that go in it. You can shoot them separately. So that's kind of cool. But you need one that would be like a fast reloading or even automatic reloading uh, yeah, but bolt. But there's even a bow. Like if you load, you can load it faster with your hands and like hold more arrows in a quiver. You yeah, know? it's actually a little bit quieter too. I think. The yeah. bow is. Yeah, yeah. Um, obviously, it's for quiet and, you know, you can reuse the arrows. I've, you know, you've, we've seen him use them as like, you know. And but, he uses the crossbow as a melee weapon, which is cool. Yeah, that is yeah. cool too. But, um, you know, can't can't fault the guy, man. It makes him look badass. <laughs> Sometimes it's like, it's just, you know, it's a show. Deal with it. And I'm like, yeah, I like it. He got yeah. him right there. He's chilling. It would be my weapon of choice for defense if I was doing a single or if I was hunting uh like for survival within the show right or um a singular initiation into my defense like i'm gonna get you quiet if i need one shot like if there's somebody that has a bunch of uh food or tools or shelter that i need i'm gonna take that person out um or the one lone uh walker that's trying to get in and i'm gonna take his butt out you know so that i don't have to worry about that but it wouldn't be my primary weapon by any choice you're right though it's very smart for hunting because you don't want a gunshot to attract more zombies and then you also exactly. yeah it's it's perfect for like more powerful than a bow but still quiet yeah so i get that part for sure but like against a horde attacking a you, horde, it's no. not a good one yeah well that's what i think is so funny too he's so exposed in the sense of he's got a weapon that shoots one time essentially and he has a motorcycle that even though they worked on it to make it quiet, right? It was, it's a motorcycle. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Not, it's, if it's not electric, it ain't, it's not going to be that quiet. It's going to be pretty loud. Yeah, but so. he's a badass. We forgive him. All is forgiven. We love you, Daryl. Well, all right, all right. Um, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, uh, like I was saying before, comment below <laughs> on what you think of Negan. Was he a good or bad villain? Uh, what spinoff you're most excited for? And who are some of your favorite characters? Do you think Brock and I did a good job breaking it down? Um, are you excited to watch it? If you haven't seen it, um, did you binge it like me or did you keep along? We want to hear all about it. Um, but now we want to move on to a little, uh, comic of our own. Yeah. Quick cane update. Let's do it. A little, little cane, a little dip our toes in the cane sand. Cane issue two is now available on our website. Uh, cane comic universe.com, K A N E comic universe.com. Um, we love issue two. We have a amazing cover by Joe Bennett, um, colored by Denai Ribeiro. Um, and you definitely get to learn more about Kane's past and a little bit into what he has coming forward. Yeah. Is there anything we can talk about inside a little bit as far as the uniqueness of the, of the issue itself? Yeah. Um, there's a lot of like very beautiful, uh, classical art by Patrick Blaine. Um, you know, if you like ancient Greece and, and the gods and stuff like that and like ancient heroes, um, I think you'll really, really love this one. Yeah, I would say the exposition within the comic itself is incredible and it is exciting. And uh, as far as story progression goes, this is a key element, this this issue itself into the story, the entire first volume, but also the story as a whole and the backstory behind Kane as well. 
Um, and it's beautifully done. In this volume, from what I've seen so far, and it's obviously not finished yet, I would say it's probably my favorite with the art and, and the Joe Bennett cover and yeah. the style that it's done as well. I think it's so cool, um, especially if you're a fan of Greek mythology as well. But, but I have to say, the writing is also fantastic. Yeah. But then again, I'm, I might know the writer, so I might be, you know. And you know the hero. Also, yeah, I might be biased in that. <laughs> I might be biased all around. You know what? I'm biased. All right. I just I like love, it, okay? <laughs> I love the damn comic. I want you to love it too. It's amazing. Uh, we put a lot of time into it. Will has created an incredible story uh, and has written his freaking fingertips to the bone. And uh, it's, it's only getting better and better. So you better jump on the train while you can, people. It does get better and better. I will say that. Yeah. I, I'm like, I really want people to like know what happens and, and see what happens for sure. Yeah. I think this is something that, you know, we're going to be working on for decades to come and we're going to adopt this into so many different forms of storytelling and uh, to be a part of it at the beginning, um, I think is so cool, not only as creators and, and us being on the forefront of it, but as a, a someone who enjoys the comic book you know, and, and comic books in general. And then this one too, it's like, get it now, collect it, be a part of it when it's so early and, and watch as it goes, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, maybe one day, you know, walking dead started as a comic. Like maybe one day we'll be making a show about our show, you know, based off a comic. Well, mark it here on October, whatever day this is in 2022, we are going to get Kane on the silver screen. Oh my God. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's going to happen. We, uh, we're going to put all of our energy into it. We're going to keep it going. We're excited about it. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens next. But first issue, we're here. We've done it. Second issue, it's out. It's live. KaneComicUniverse.com. Go enjoy. Let us know what you think. Put it in the comics. Con, put put your comments in the comic about the comic. Put your comments in the com, put your comic comments in the comment section. That's close enough. I'm, that's as close as I'm going to get. You know what to do. Just go do it, please. That's pretty good, right there. <laughs> um, yeah, good times, man. As the sun setting, very good times, man. And like, I appreciate that we got to discuss. You know, The Walking Dead and and the show, and like, I. Obviously, we have some grievances about it, but like, honestly, I really liked it. And sure, there's moments and things that I would have liked to change or whatever, but man, it, it's a unicorn. It, it's, it yeah. never happens, man. To sustain 15 million viewers on average per episode for three years, like in its prime, it doesn't happen. Oh, Euphoria, season two, the show Brock was in. Uh, is 16 million something, 16 point something million um, viewers per episode. So think about that. That's crazy. More than The Walking Dead ever had um, in terms of a season average. Um, so as we sit here and talk about the feats that Walking Dead broke and sustained, um, you know, Euphoria just beat it, which is nuts. But how does that feel? Feels good. Feels real good. Hopefully I come back for season three. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy to think about that too, you know, because you know how big The Walking Dead is. You know how big um, Game of Thrones, uh, Euphoria, 
a lot of even stuff that I, I'm looking at that I've worked on, and I'm like, you know, some stuff was small, some stuff so it was, some stuff was independent, you know, and some stuff did really well. Um, but realizing, like, wait, it it's surreal for me as an actor to look and I'm doing what I love, and to hear something like, how many millions of people saw me do what I love, even if it was a right. small scene and. The Euphoria one, I did love it. I have to say, <laughs> it was a little gory, a little crazy, a little uh, promiscuous. It was fun. It was a good time. Uh, but Hell yeah, man! But it's crazy to think that because I'm as we're sitting here, just us two, you know, just talking and and talking about the thing that we love, which is TV and film and comic books and uh, storytelling. Uh, to see, to know that somewhere in the world you know there's a bunch of people watching our work one way or another and and even here on on youtube here in uh all of these uh platforms that the podcast is is at right now and iheart as well you know um it's just cool that to be able to reach so many people yeah man and uh i'm really proud of um you know we just hit the 5000 plus uh subscriber mark so thank you to everyone watching us on youtube that's that's a really big deal, and I'm I'm really proud of that, and and uh, grateful for everyone of you guys out there watching us on YouTube. Thank you, guys. Yeah, we're just going to continue to make content and you know talk about things we love with people we love and enjoy and interesting uh, topics, interesting characters, people. Um, it's a lot of fun. It's exciting, and we're grateful for all of you. So. Thank you for tuning in. And if you haven't yet, please uh, hit that, smash that button, as they say, and uh, subscribe and like and comment your comic comments in the comment <laughs> section. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Elon's buying Twitter and shit's going down. That's it. I start using Twitter the day Elon buys it. Oh, yeah. I'm never going to use it, but I'll use it. Why not? See you when I see you. Thank you, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this breakdown of The Walking Dead on Studio 22. Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.